0: Okay. Every married woman that I know, Amen. Hallelujah, wants one thing more than anything else in life. And that's a husband who doesn't yell out in public. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, nah, that's not where we're going. No, nah, seriously. What does she want? She wants to be married to a great husband, right ladies? Amen, Amen. there you go. Every married woman I know wants one thing in life, she wants to be married to a great husband. And the reason she wants to be married to a great husband is because if she has a great husband, guess what? They're gonna have a great marriage, right? The problem is defining what a great husband is. And it really should come as no surprise because men and women are so drastically different that we would disagree on how to define a great husband. Fortunately God has a lot to say about it. So He defines for us and gives us insights as to what makes a husband great. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to become a great husband. Now most men that I know don't know where to begin. Don't know how to start and don't want to put much effort into it either. So the problem is we need to deal with how to become a great husband and on the other side of all of that is knowing that as a wife sometimes you suspect that something's missing in your relationship there's something missing but I'm not quite sure what it is I think my husband could be a better husband you know I, I would like him to be a great husband and would have a great marriage but I'm not real sure what's missing and sometimes the expectations you have aren't realistic either so what we need to take a look at is how to become a great husband and what I believe and have always believed that a, hu- that a wife should expect no more or no less than what God expects a husband to be. You all in agreement? So if you've got your Bibles turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and we'll get some insights as to how to become a great husband. Ephesians chapter 5 starting with uh, let's say verse 25. From this passage we read this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also And cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. And for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Alright, gentlemen, listen up. It doesn't get any simpler than this. If we are to become great husbands, if you are married and want to become a great husband, if you're single and you plan on getting married and one day you want to become a great husband then there's one thing that we need to do more than anything else, and that is to love our wives. If you're going to be a great husband, you need to love your wife. Now, some of us say, well, that's so simple. I love my wife. But the problem is she sometimes doesn't even know that you love her. You say, but why is it so difficult? Why is it so complicated? And the reason's simple. Because love means different things to different people. And what we as a husband may think is love to our wife, our wife may not even interpret that as love. And so we're really confused as to the definition of love. Let me give you an example, a true story. There was a husband and wife, they have been married 50 years. They lived in a small Midwestern town. And so they get together, and the town wants to somehow or another celebrate this 50th anniversary. Everyone knows them. It's a small community. So what they decide to do is, number one, they're going to have a breakfast. They roll out the red carpet for this couple. They have a breakfast. The the, the mayor of the town comes. He speaks at the breakfast. They honor them. It moves from a breakfast. It moves into a luncheon, where they have a luncheon and a reception and the same type of treatment. And then the family has a, a reception at the home later on. And then finally they go out to dinner just as a family to celebrate this 50th anniversary. About 10 o'clock that night, they finally get home from all the day's celebration and all the festivities that are honoring this couple for their 50th anniversary. So about 10 o'clock at night, the husband, as has been his custom throughout their whole marriage, goes into the kitchen, makes a piece of toast, prepares it with a small glass of milk, and calls his wife in. And this is what he did for every night while they were married. Calls his wife into the kitchen and tells her that a snack that he's made for her is ready. So she comes walking into the kitchen, she opens the door, she sees the snack, and all of a sudden she breaks down and she starts to cry. Now this guy is confused. He doesn't understand what's going on. He goes over to her and says, Honey, I'm sorry, what's the matter? Why are you crying? And this is what she said. I would have thought that on such a special day, that on the most special of all of our anniversaries, that you would have given me something other than the end slice of toast. All right? Now listen to this. And he can't believe what's going on. And do you know what he says to her? He looks and says, "But, But honey, the end slice of toast is my favorite piece of bread. Are you ready for that? Listen to this. For 50 years, are you ready for this? For 50 years, this man tried to love his wife as he thought she would want to be loved Or, really what it was, was that that's how he would have wanted her to love him. For 50 years, he did the best that he could do to love his wife as he thought she wanted to be loved, not knowing that she endured his miserable attempt to love her by not saying anything to her. And after 50 years of marriage, it finally comes out that the snack isn't what she would have wanted had she a choice as to how he would demonstrate his love. You see how real a problem that this is? See men and women we are so different that as a man I try to love my wife as I believe she needs to be loved or as I believe I would like her to love me. And what happens is we fail to meet the other person's need and what I define and what this man defined as love, preparing the snack from an end piece of toast, uh, he's, she's saying, ah, that, I always thought that that showed less than you love me because I like the one right in the middle. And if we're going to love our wives as they need to be loved, we need to ask a very simple question. <laughs> what, is, what, what does my wife need? What does she need? And how does she need to be loved So that she'll understand that I really do love her. See how frustrating it gets? Because so often as men we try to love our wives and they're looking at saying, but that doesn't demonstrate love to me. We need to understand what love is. And so I want to share with you six insights as we go through this. I think that it will make a huge difference in your relationship if you begin as a husband to understand how to become a great husband based on what your wife needs and not what you think that she needs now wait before I do this the last time we did something like this we did the elbow thing you remember that you know where the wives elbowed the husbands alright so, some of you remember some of you don't some of you are still recovering All right. but what I want to do this time I, I, I want to do now this is just the ladies now every time that we make one of these points if this lines up then can you just say preach it brother can you say that can you try that? Okay, on three, ladies, I'll just say this. We'll see how this goes. One, two, three. That's not too bad. All right, if you don't want to do that, can, can you just kind of go, that's right? Is that easier? That's like amen, but that's right, you know. You want to just, what, what, we need to come to an agreement before we get started. What do you want to do? Preach it, brother? You like that? Okay, good. And then here's one more thing that you need to do. Okay, you say preach it, brother, and then uh, and the other thing that you need to do is, is instead of elbowing, just kind of go like this. You know what I'm saying? And just kind of go, that's what I've been trying to tell you. Can you do that? Now try that. Can you do that? Try that. Just kind of try that. On three. Ready? One, two, three. Do I do that pretty good? See, that's what I've been trying to tell you. All right, we'll do that. All right, we'll try that. All right. I know, this is hard. Yeah, I can see her and see if you like this. That's what i was trying to tell you. All right. Now, I know some of you aren't ready to participate in anything, but, you know, this is uh, this part of application time. You know, if you to apply these things, we've got to get get loosened up right now. You ready? Okay, here we go. All right, here's the first one, ladies. You ready? Men, if we're going to become great husbands, the first thing that we need to do is make your wife number one in your life. Thank you! Thank you! That was very good. Thank you very much. There you go. Make her... Number one in your life. Now, what is the deal here? Let me fix this. Oh, it doesn't work, does it? A little too wide. Well, that's all right. Make her number one in your life. Now, see, if the problem is that your wife and my wife want to believe, to understand, and to recognize that they're the most important person in your life. That they're the most important person in your life. And this has to do with priorities. This has to do with what comes first. And I'm telling you this, nothing equals the impact of this one thing upon your wife. Nothing does. You say, well, what does it mean to make her number one in your life? Well, let's take a look at the first part. It means that your wife comes before your own parents. Your wife comes before your parents. In Ephesians 5.31, it says, for this cause, speaking of marriage, that a man should should leave his father and his mother, should cleave to his wife, and the two would become one flesh. The bottom line is, gentlemen, listen to me carefully. When you got married, or when you get married, what you need to understand is that there is an immediate change in priorities as far as earthly relationships are concerned. Now, obviously, men, the Lord has to come first in our life always. But I'm talking about earthly relationships. When it comes to our relationships here on earth, what I need to understand is, My wife comes before everybody else, including my own parents. See, and God warns about this from the very beginning, and he reiterates it once again. He's saying, you know what? When you get married, sir, your relationships here on earth change drastically. You now have a new priority. And your priority as a child was to obey your parents and the Lord for that is the right thing to do. But now that you've gotten married, your new priority is to make sure that your wife knows she's the most important person in your life. Now here's how you challenge that and here's how you test that. Let's just say for a moment that you hear that your wife and your mother are in accidents on two different ends of town. And you hear it at the exact same time, and it's the exact same situation. I I know this is an extreme situation, but I want to challenge you to consider something. That your wife and your mother are in accidents on two different ends of town, and you hear who you go to first. Don't answer, and I'm going to give you the answer. You should know by now. You go immediately to your wife. Really? Huh? Is that right? Is this multiple choice? What is it, true-false? What is it? I mean, see, the problem is some of us don't understand that, and we need to be reminded of that. Now, that's an extreme case, but here's where I have found the problem to really manifest itself. When we first got married, I mean, some of you go through things like, well, where are we going to have Thanksgiving? Oh, well, now we're heading in there. Now I'm feeling like a dentist that made a mistake. A little close here now. Okay. Well, where are we going for Thanksgiving. Where are we going to go for Christmas? See, and and I don't know, I had this strange idea, but I thought, when we got married, I thought, you know what? Just come to our house. Got a house, got a wife, she wants to have Thanksgiving here, wants to have it with her own family. You want to come? Come on over. (laughs) (laughs) What? What are you trying to say? What point are you trying to make? Well, what I'm trying to say is that I now have a wife. And she's more important than anybody else on the face of the earth. And it's just making a statement that she would understand and recognize that, you know what, wow, I'm the most important thing in this guy's life. Let me tell you another thing, too. As a man, don't you ever stand by and let your parents, your mom, or your dad, or somebody criticize your wife. Preach it, brother. Thank you very much. Now, if I, you can say that. I'm uh, allowing you to say that. I know you, if you're in a dangerous situation with the guy that I'm going to yell at here if he says anything. But the thing is, stop and think about this. Whether she's present or she's not present, you need to emphasize to people in your life that my wife is the most important person in my life, and don't you criticize her. Whether what they're saying is true or not true, it's not their place to criticize your wife and it's important as a man that you stand up and you be accounted for from the standpoint that my wife's number one in my life and you're not going to criticize her and you're not going to ridicule her and you're not going to rip into her because I'm going to defend her thank you and if you want to rip into her then do it behind my back but you don't ever do it to my face and if I hear that you did it in our family I will come back and I will confront you because I'm not going to stand for it I'll tell you what it makes your wife feel pretty important, doesn't it? It makes her understand that you understand that there's a new relationship that's going on here and that's the most important one in your life. The second thing is not just from a, from a, a parent standpoint, but it also means it, that your wife comes before your children. Your wife comes before your children. I'm going to tell you from observation. I have seen many families get messed up because a husband and a wife aren't on the same page as to how they're going to deal with their children. And I've seen children who are extremely bright and extremely manipulative as to how to play dad against mom. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I mean you have seen it and I have seen it and they know how to work the system. The problem is that husband and wife comes first. And this is particularly true when you get into a second or third marriage and there are children by previous marital relationships, and there is a tendency for one of the for the for the mother or the father of that child to feel like, well, wait a minute, that child came before you, and so my relationship with my son or my daughter comes before my new relationship with you as my spouse. No, that's not true. You may think that it is, but the moment you don't understand that and you begin to live that, you're gonna have a bunch of problems in your marriage, you're gonna have a whole bunch of problems in your family because partnership always precedes parenthood. Are you ready for that? Partnership precedes parenthood. A man is a husband first, he is a father second, he is a businessman third. A strong marriage precedes a strong family. Marriage is permanent, parenthood is temporary. Marriage is central, parenthood is secondary. Marriage is the hub and children are spokes. Child-centered home is a poor training ground. I mean, if you stop and think about it, it's a poor training ground for the child? it's poor marriage insurance, it's poor preparation for an empty nest. I mean, your partner is first before your children, before your job, before your career, and a man, if he's to love his wife, has to understand that. Do not ever let your children try to divide you as to your purpose as parents, and we'll talk more about that when we get into, you know, how to become great parents. But the reality of all of this at this particular point is this. You know what? Who comes first in your relationship? If you're going to be a great husband, let me ask you a question. Who comes first? When you walk in the door at the end of the day, do you immediately run to your little child and you give them hugs and kisses, or do you kiss your wife? When it comes to time that you need to carve out of your day, is it for your child's sporting event, or is it to take your wife somewhere? See, who comes first? And many of us fall into a trap that, well, our children are only this age at a certain time, and, you know, we need to spend as much time, and all that's true, and all that's good, but let me me help you understand something. Your wife should never feel jealous of the time that you spend with your children. She wants you to spend time, sir, with your children, but she also understands that she has a need to be loved by you spending time with her. Thank you. So that's the bottom line. You see what I'm trying to say? Is that a wife needs to feel she's the most important person in your life, before your parents, before your children, and also I mean this is a no-brainer bit since I'm dealing with men. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Sometimes you just gotta like, oh yeah, I'm crazy about that. Yeah, now you're jumping on board. Uh, but no, but I'm just it has to be you know it just has to be direct and it has to be blunt. But the bottom line is, and it means that she comes before any other woman in your life. I mean, we'll deal with this more when we get into how to affair-proof your marriage, but the reality of it is, is your wife needs to recognize that she's the most important person in your life. She comes before your parents, she comes before the children, and she comes before any other woman. Before your secretary, before your friend, before whatever. I mean, she needs to understand that she comes first. And we need to recognize that because, I mean, that's a dangerous thing. I mean, if you think, stop and think about it, I mean, almost every relationship that breaks down breaks down because there's somebody else involved. Your, Your What? Your mother-in-law with the money. You think these things through before you yell them out. Because, <laughs> I mean, if they're good, I like them too. i share them with you. But when they're like, what's that? I, just, uh. Now I'm all confused. Where are we going with this? All right, here we go. All right, all right, all right. Oh, oh! In this final little point here about before other women, man, let me just give you a little word of advice. <laughs> Don't ever compare your wife to another woman. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't ever compare. I mean, have you done that? Have you been there, done that? You know, so and so's wife has dinner ready for him every night when he comes home from work. You know, isn't so-and-so's wife looking pretty good? Wow, look at, oh, look at, she was, been there, let me just say something. Remember the old uh, Lost in Space program with the robot that yelled, Warning, Will Robinson! Danger! Danger! Hey, that's about the territory you're heading right there, big guy. So, all I can say is, don't do that. Don't even begin to think about it. Don't do it at all. Alright, make her number one in your life. Number two. Okay, ready? Give to her, as much as you would give to yourself. All right? Give to her as much as you would give to yourself. Ephesians 5.28, we see this insight. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. However, if one, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. You follow that? Give to your wife as much as you would give to yourself. I say, but what does that mean? Well, here's how you can apply it. Do you sir, do you need a hobby? Oh, okay. Uh, I know where this is going. No, I don't need anything. I don't need a thing. I don't need nothing. See what happens? Do you need a hobby? Well, maybe she does. Do you need a vacation? Maybe she does. Do you need uh, new clothes? Maybe she does. it, brother! Oh, yeah, the Nordstrom's committee just stood up to be kind of... Oh, yeah. You know, do you need a haircut? Maybe she needs her hair done or whatever. Do you need to get your eyes examined? Maybe she needs to get an eye exam. has nothing to do with the haircut thing, by the way. I just... uh, And you don't think she does. Maybe you need an exam, ma'am. You need to get a physical exam? Well, maybe she needs to have a checkup. You need a break from the kids? Oh, maybe she does. Preach it, brother. You need a good night's sleep? Maybe she does. See, the point is, it's real simple. And that is that you can't be selfish in a three-legged race. You ever go to a picnic and they have three-legged races? You know there's two ways you can run it which is pretty fun to see there's the three-legged race where you got one person facing forward and the other person faces backwards and they tie the, the leg together and the person that's facing forward has to drag the person that's going the other direction with them and that's kind of fun to see that that's kind of like the uh, the, uh, the the cruel sadistic version of the three-legged race but that's always fun to see because you got one person who's going this way and the another person's going that way and you're dragging people and they're falling all over the place and then you know if you want to make it a little more competitive and not quite as dangerous then you have the three-legged race where you've got both people that are looking the same direction with their leg tied together and they run that way and even then they still strip, stumble and fall on occasions right well see to me that's what marriage is marriage is a three-legged race and you know and and what happens is when the two become one flesh it's like God takes that leg that we got and he ties it together and says okay there's two, two people now becoming one you're no longer two so you might as well work this thing out and what I see happen oftentimes in marriage is that the husband's going this direction, the wife's going in the other direction. And they're falling and they're tearing each other apart and they're knocking each other down, they're hurting each other, they're bruising each other, they're battering each other, and they can't seem to get in sync on the direction they're going. Even when they finally agree on the direction they're going to go, it's still not that easy, is it? And it can still be difficult. The point is very simple. You can't be selfish in a three-legged race. And we can't have double standards as men oh, I need this, that, and the other thing. And when your wife has a a, a need for the same thing, we say, oh, well, I don't understand why you need that. You don't need that. But see, if she's saying, if you want to love me as I need to be loved, then I'm telling you this is what I need. And you can't have a double standard where you can see it in your own life, but you can't see it in her life. If you're willing to meet your own needs, which is a natural thing to do, then you must also now be willing naturally to meet, the, to meet your wife's needs. So you need to give to her as much as you would give to yourself. And it's a simple philosophy, but it's not that easy when it comes to practical application. We need to recognize how true that is. Number three, if we're going be great, to become great husbands, we need to understand never to resent her presence or her opinions. Don't resent her presence or her opinions. In Colossians 3.19, husbands are instructed to love their wives, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Never resent her presence. Never resent her opinions. Let me give you an illustration of this. If you still got your Bibles, turn to uh, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, we have some insight that I think will help understand more fully what this is all about. Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 28. The Apostle Paul is sharing with the church to the Galatians. He's saying to them, you know what? There's an attitude that's present here. And basically, men, it's an attitude that we have, whether we admit it oftentimes or not. But that is, there are some men that I have met in my life and there is even a time I think in my own lifetime where I believe that this was true that is that men somehow or another think that women are somehow beneath them or inferior to them that women are second-class citizens that somehow or another they're not the same as a man and we need to recognize something that's very important here and that is simply this that women particularly sir your wife is not a second-class citizen. In Galatians 3.28, the Apostle Paul wrote, Hey, you know what? There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. Do you follow that? There's no differentiation, there's no distinction with God. God is not a respecter of persons. And what he was trying to get across to these Jewish Christians at this particular time in this particular culture, was that there was a mentality there that somehow men were better than women. And I often hear the case argued many times that Paul somehow or another demeans the position of women in the church. And that's not true at all. In fact, where Christianity has spread and been taught, it has always elevated the position of women in society. And the reason for it is quite simple. What he's saying here is he's going, Hey, you know what? Look at this. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female. All are one in Christ Jesus there was a prayer that was going around at this particular time and this particular day, and this is how it went. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has not made me a Gentile. Blessed art thou, O Lord, O God, King of the universe, who has not made me a slave. And blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has not made me a woman. You go, whoa. See, the attitude was, oh man, you know what, God, thank you, you didn't make me a Gentile, and thank you, you didn't make me a slave, and thank God, you didn't make me a woman. And so the attitude was, oh, see, there was something wrong with being a woman. There was something wrong with being a slave. There was something wrong with being a Gentile, and that wasn't true at all. And so as we go through this and we look at this, what he's saying is, you know what, in God's eyes, there is no distinction. There is no such segregation. There is no such racist attitude. There is no such uh, prejudicial viewing of other people. What God is saying is it doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, red. It doesn't matter whether you're a woman or you're a, you're a man. It doesn't matter whether you're old or you're young. All of you are welcome to come into the kingdom of God if you'd simply put your faith and trust in Christ Jesus. So there's no distinction. God's no respecters of persons. It doesn't matter whether you have money or you don't have money, whether you have freedom or whether you're in bondage. It doesn't matter to God. And so all of a sudden, the position of a woman in society is elevated by a God who sees no distinction between male and female from the standpoint of coming to him. We need to understand, gentlemen, that what God is saying, if you're going to become a great husband, we can never get to the point where we resent her presence, your wife's presence, or her opinions. I mean, listen to some of the nonsense that has been quoted throughout history. Aristotle once said, The female is a female by virtue of a lack of certain qualities. We should regard the female in nature as afflicted with natural defectiveness. I don't know if he was married, but I'm sure that went over big around the old ranch. (laughs) And let Napoleon... Was reported of having said this: "Nature intended women to be our slaves. They are our property. We are not theirs. They belong to us, just as a tree. Just as a tree that bears fruit belongs to its gardener." That's probably why he was always going around like this. He had again here, and he was watching out for all the women. And he's looking at him, I see. You. See, you know, we need to understand something. None of those statements and none of those attitudes reflect God's view of women. It doesn't reflect biblical Christianity. We need to recognize that as men, and, and we need to understand that our wives are fellow heirs. They're joint heirs of, of God's precious gift. We need to recognize that. But it goes more it goes beyond just resenting her presence or her opinions. What it means is this: You want to be a great husband? Ask her opinion. Welcome her opinion. Some of us think, well, but my wife doesn't understand this. So ask her anyway. See what her insights are. See what she has to say. You know, she's a perfect helper. She's a helper that's suitable, a perfect helpmate. God put her together. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt that. Somebody gets excited and says, preach it. I every now and then, I, thank you, okay. But, uh, but you see what I'm saying? I mean, you've got to ask her. If it's something in business, ask her. If it's something with your family or the children or whatever, ask her. Something about a relationship with friends, ask her. Something about, oh, you're being interviewed for a job, ask her what she thinks. Ask for her opinion. Welcome her opinion. I'll tell you this, gentlemen, you are a fool if you do not welcome the opinion of your wife. You are a fool. Because God has given her to you to help meet those blind spots that you have in your life. To help you see things that she sees that you wouldn't see if she didn't see it and didn't share it with you. Welcome her opinion. The other thing too is you know what? Welcome her presence. Take her with you when you go places. If you're a man and you got a job and you have to travel on a bit on business, man, I'll tell you what, have her come with you. Oh yeah, but all it's gonna cost. Well, yeah, it's gonna cost if you don't in the long run. Take her with you. While you're in your business meeting, let her enjoy another city. Let her enjoy just relaxing at the hotel or sitting out by the pool. Take her with you. Make her understand that, you're, that her presence with you is welcomed and you don't, you don't want to go anywhere without her. And if you can do it, take her. Make her feel like you love her because that's how she needs to be loved. She needs to feel her opinions are important. She needs to feel that her presence is welcomed. She needs to feel that. Am I right, ladies? All right, if you just got to nod your head, nod your head. I know, it's getting, it's getting tough. But that's what it's coming down to. You know. And, and not only that, but she wants to, to know that you don't mind. In fact, you like having her there so people can see her with you. You're not ashamed of her. You're not hiding her in the house. If you want to go somewhere, take her. You know, and that's one thing that I never understood about how to love my wife. And we're working on that, understanding that, recognizing that. When I, when I would asked to, to speak somewhere, I'd always think, well, you don't want to count because you already heard the same jokes 500 times, you know, and, and, and these people, you know, they haven't and they'll still think it's funny, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, but no, I want to go. And it's like, are you sure? Now, see, I'm not sure if she really wants to go to support me. And now I'm not sure if she really wants to go because she thinks that I'm ashamed to not want to take her. So we're working through all these things. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you want to go because, oh, I don't know. But you have to talk these things out. And I begin to recognize, you know what, my wife wants to feel she's the most important person in my life. My wife wants to feel that, you know what, if she has a need that I have, that I'm willing to meet her need as well as my own. She wants to feel like her opinion is, is valuable, that her presence is welcome, and that makes for a great husband, and it makes for a great relationship. But there's also one other thing that we need to recognize, and that is if you're going to become a great husband, then you know what, don't make her live in fear. Don't make her live in fear. And what I mean by that is, if you want to become a great husband, you'll never give your wife a reason to live in fear. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out or drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Do you follow that? Your wife needs you to love her in such a way that she has no fear in her life. That she feels that you are her protector. That you will guard her. That she's not afraid that you have an eye for another woman. She's not afraid that you put your children first. She's not afraid that your parents' relationship with you is more special than the one that she has with you. She's not afraid that, you know what, you're not willing to meet her needs when she has a need. She's not afraid. And you know, when I stop and think about all the ways that a woman can be afraid, she's not afraid that, you know what, hey, think about it. Is this not true, ladies? I mean, sometimes women are afraid because their husband is lazy. They're afraid because he's not a, not a provider. That he won't provide for you. That he won't provide for the children. They're afraid because you, know, you threaten to leave if she doesn't jump through hoops or do what you say when it needs to be done and how it needs to be done and it has to be your way. And she lives in constant fear. Am I pleasing him? Am I pleasing him? Is he going to leave me? I mean, there's other ways that we can have our wives live in fear that we don't even think about sometimes beyond the, the, the obvious physical abuse or the emotional abuse. Our wives should never live in fear. They should never live in fear because we lie to them and and they feel like they can't trust us. The root or foundation of every relationship is trust. And I know many men who lie and manipulate their wives. And what happens is their wives live in fear. They can't trust them. They don't know what's going on in their life. They don't know what they're up to. They don't know what's happening. And, And security is one of the most important ways that we can love our wives. That you're irresponsible financially. Maybe you're irresponsible with your children. Maybe you're a flirt and you have an eye for other women. Maybe your sports or your hobbies or other things. Or maybe it's even the way you drive. You know what I'm saying? There's a whole bunch of ways that you can cause your wife to live in fear. Preach it, brother. There you go. You know, we've all been there. We've seen that. And we don't recognize sometimes that God says, you know what, if you want to be a great husband then you need to be willing to eliminate behavior that causes your wife to live in fear. You say, but I don't know if I'm doing any of those things. Oh, then ask her. Alright? That's all you got to do. I'm telling you right now. If you want an application today, just ask your wife today. Ask her this week. Is there anything that I'm doing in my life that's causing you to be afraid? What is it? Because I need to change it. I want to be a great husband. Because we may have a test next week. You know? And well, see, I, I, I want to be a great husband. Don't make her live in fear. Now, number five is be sensitive to what? To her needs. You want to be a great husband? Then be sensitive to her needs. Look at First uh, John 3, 16 through 18. We read this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to also lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees, there's the word, beholds or sees, observes, his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words and tongue, but with actions and in truth. Now, I'll tell you what. If there's one indictment that I I got to believe is true of men, that is, we have a tendency to talk the talk, but not walk the walk. You know what I mean? We know what to say. Oh, but honey, I do love you. And all she's saying is, then just show me. Demonstrate it. And what it means is, as a man, we have to be observant of what her needs are. It's like the man for 50 years had made the toast for the woman. You would think that he would have observed the way she ate it. You know, she may have been going like this. She may have been choking it down for 50 years, trying to get this little point across to him, You know? don't really like this piece of bread but i do like the fact that you tried and i don't want you to stop trying but i'm afraid to tell you i hate the end piece of bread so i'm going to just eat it for 50 years and then i'm going to finally come unglued and just scream at you one day and you're going to look at me like you're so stupid that you should have picked up on it 50 years ago ladies the man obviously was a little slow at picking up on hints. all right and probably so is your husband tell him Tell them. I'll give you an example. Every now and then, I pick up on hints. See, I need to learn to love my wife as she needs to be loved, right? Now, there are some things that I don't understand about what this is all about, but I'm just going to tell you the way it works. About a month ago, Linda was talking to me about, oh, you know what, I got these bulbs out in the garage, like tulip bulbs and bulb bulbs. I don't know what they were. <laughs> they all looked the same to me. Good thing they had different pictures on the package, you know what I mean? And say, oh, you know what, yeah, I need to get out there and plant those things. So one day I thought, well, I going to try this. So they're probably going to all grow upside down. But, <laughs> but so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to go out and just plant these bulbs. Because she kind of it was like a hint. You know what I mean? It's like a hint to see whether I was really listening that she wanted to get these bulbs planted but didn't have time to do it or whatever. And bottom line is she did not like to get her nails dirty. So it was like, you know, it's it, 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 one of those things. So I thought, well, I'm going to go out. I'm going to plant these bulbs. So I plant the bulbs. And it was like, she was like shocked. You planted the bulbs? Yeah, I planted the bulbs. I still, to this day, I think it's been a couple of weeks. She's still like going, well, "What's going on?" <laughs> but little did she know that maybe one day I could use it as an illustration. <laughs> but I didn't know. But so I plant them anyway. See, I don't know what that means. I see, you know what I'm saying? I don't understand that. I don't understand how planting those bulbs showed her that I love her. Don't have a clue. But she interpreted it that I did. So that's good, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it yeah, is. It's good. And, and I don't understand that. See. Let me just tell you something. See, you need to know how she needs to be loved. And if planting the bulbs is how she needs to be loved, then I picked up on that and planted the bulbs, in and she felt loved. right? Now, think about this, guys. It may mean picking your socks up and underwear off the floor. And she... Pray, cha, brother. There we go. I mean, and, and, and doing that makes her feel loved by you. Putting the toilet seat down. Makes her feel like you're loving her. You know, and put a load in the laundry once in a while. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. what? I know. Now, 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 now. Well, I understand. Get a lesson first. (laughs) That's all I got to (laughs) say. You know what I mean? Praise your brother. Been there, done that. Now, I know how that works. But it's like, oh, there's nothing worse than trying to meet this need, this love need in your wife. And you do something and you totally screw up everything. Like, all of the best clothes are all pink now, you know? It's like, wow, well, they're all on the floor together. <laughs> so it didn't work out. But I learned how to do that, you know? And it made me throw a load of laundry in. It made me t- take a load of laundry out of the washer and put it in the dryer. And, uh, oh, see, this is, this, is how, this is how my wife, she, she, she got this across to me, this little love need that she had. See, I, we got an office at our house, right? And it's kind of like adjoining to the laundry room. Yeah, you, got, you see where this is going? Alright, so the wash the wash is in the washer, and then she'll throw it in the dryer. Well, then she got other things to do. And then they got these annoying little bells, these little buzzers on, on a dryer. When the dryer's all done, it goes, E-ー! And then you try to ignore it for five minutes, and it goes, E-ー! And then it's like, but what God's saying is, he's going, E-ー! Check, show your wife you love her. Take the dry the clothes out of the dryer. And fold them if you have to, but show her that you love her. All right? Would you do that? Okie dokie. Very good. Yeah, catch her on. Thank you very much. I mean, just little things like that. But that's, just, I mean, you know what? May, I don't know. Vacuum. The, the vacuum. Dust. Why, what else, ladies? I don't know. What's a little love need? Huh? Make a meal. Make a meal. Hey, make a meal. You know, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> make a meal and then clean up after the meal. Hey, brother. Oh, all righty. You know, I'm rolling now. All right, how about some? How about flowers? Getting out of hand, huh? Really sucking up now to the girls, huh? Hey, ladies, am I like your hero or what? No. Um, well, how about flowers? I mean, I mean, get them, get them some flowers. Not plastic ones either. You know, see, because guys are always thinking practical. Well, they're going to die. Plastic ones will live a long time. But then you got to dust them for them later, and you know if you want to show this love me. But see, and don't always think practical. Let me just tell you something from experience: been there. Don't ever buy your wife an oven for Christmas. <laughs> you know it's like, but you know we are so slow. and sometimes I just kind of go all year long. It's like we're going to have company over for dinner, and look how small our oven is, and we can't really entertain anybody because we can't even get stuff in our oven. So I'm thinking that's a hint, <laughs> right? Pick up on the hint. What do I do? Go out and get an oven. Big old box with a big old bow for Christmas. (laughs) It's like, what's that? You've been hinting about it for a year. It's your oven. Yeah, I was like, I want to trade it in for behind the curtain number three. What in the world? This isn't isn't a Christmas thing. It's like, oh, okay, thinking practical again. Don't think practical when it comes to meeting this need that your wife has. I don't know, man. I mean, you know what? She may just need a kiss. She may need a hug. She may need you to hold her hand and take her for a walk around the neighborhood. She may need you to take off a half a day so she feels more important than everything you got going on and take her down to the beach and walk along the beach and go to lunch and do something. I mean, she may need that. And you may be thinking, oh, but I want to do something big. I wanna, we're going to go on a cruise to Europe. We're going to do something big. Because, I mean, picking up my underwear, that's not big. That's huge to her! I mean, save yourself a cruise to Europe by picking up your undies. Oh no, 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 no. Wait, here's one lady saying, no, 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 I'll go on a cruise, I'll pick up his underwear all year! I want whatever you need, you let him know. I mean, it's like, become observant. You know, I know women say, you know, it's important that we get involved in church. It's important that you come to the Bible study. It's important that, you know, that you spend time with the kids. It's important that you do, and all these things, that we go to a store together, that we go to the mall, or that we go to a play, or to an opera, or we go to the movie. It's important that you want to go with me to see a chick flick. But why? Why is that important? Because it is. So you get to the point of saying, you know what? You know, guys, let me tell you something. Some of the biggest things that you'll do to become a great husband are as little as picking up your socks and putting them in the hamper. I mean, we need to understand that. And the last thing is this. We need to be willing to sacrifice our own interests on her behalf. That's about as simple as it gets, isn't it? I mean, most men I know are extremely selfish. We really are. We think the world revolves around us. And what God's saying is, you know what? Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. But with humility of mind, you know, consider others more important or better than yourselves. I mean, that's what it's all about. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I don't think the world revolves around you. If you want to be a great husband, make her number one in your life. If you want to be a great husband, give to her as much as you'd give to yourself. If you want to be a great husband, welcome her presence and her opinions. If you want to be a great husband, you know what? Eliminate all the things that are causing fear in her life, that you have a direct r- responsibility for. You want to be a great husband? Meet her needs and not yours. If she likes the centerpiece of bread, give her the centerpiece of bread. If she likes flowers, get her flowers. If she wants you to plant bulbs, plant bulbs. she wants you to pick up your underwear, pick them up. she wants you to whatever it is that she wants that shows that you love her, do those things and be willing to sacrifice on her behalf. I mean, that's how Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her. And in the same way, husbands are to do the same for their wives. Let me close with this story, it's a true story. Because to become a great husband, <clears throat> it takes strength, it takes courage, it takes patience and the willingness to adapt and modify your own preferences in order to love your wife. In a straight talk to, uh, to men and their wives, Jim Dobson includes a description of what he sees as a great husband. A surgeon sees this man and recognizes what it means to be a great husband. <clears throat> this is the true story. The surgeon writes this, <clears throat> excuse me, he says, <clears throat> I stand by the bed where, where a young woman lies. <clears throat> her face post-operative, her mouth twisted in palsy, almost clownish. A tiny twig of the facial nerve, the one to the muscles of her mouth, has been severed. And she will be thus from now on. The surgeon had followed with religious fervor the curve of the flesh, and I, I promise you that. But nevertheless, to remove the tumor in her cheek, I had to cut that little nerve. Her young husband is in the room, and he stands on the opposite side of the bed, and together they seem to dwell in the evening lamplight, isolated from me, private. Who are they, I ask myself, he and this wry mouth that I have made, who gaze at and touch each other so generously and so greedily? And the young woman asks this question, Will my mouth always be like this? Yes, I say it will be is because the nerve has been cut. She nods and she is silent, but the young man stands smiling at her bedside. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. All at once I know who he is, and I understand and I lower my gaze. One is not bold in an encounter with a god. Unmindful, he bends to kiss her crooked mouth, and I so close I can see how he twists his own lips to accommodate to hers. And to show her that their kiss still works. I remember that the gods appeared in ancient Greece as mortals. And I hold my breath. And I let the wander in. Well men there's no mistake in this fact. That none of us are gods. But I'll tell you this much. We're never more Christ like. Than when we love our wives. Let's pray. Father thank you for this time. We thank you for these insights. God help us as men to recognize our responsibility to love our wives as they need to be loved, not as we would like to love them and not even as we would like to be loved. Help us to be observant, to be sensitive, to listen, to be open to instruction and direction and even criticism. Help us to be willing to have the desire to apply these things. And we thank you for what you'll do in our marriage. We thank you for what you'll do with our relationship with one another. And we just owe all the praise and the glory to you. Amen. Well, it's only fair...